Pastor Jenny, that was so <laughs> reverent. Thank you. Uh, hey, um, I'm excited that you guys are here. Uh, this is a really great psalm. Um, psalm 23 is one that I think is really well known. Um, if it's not well known to you, that's fine. Uh, you will know it well over the next two weeks because we're going to actually spend two weeks covering this psalm. Um, if you're starting to p- turn there right now, I can hear, hear pages flipping. Um, you'll see that it's six verses. Um, and you're going to be like, really? We're going to take two weeks to cover six verses. But um, Yes, it's going to be exciting. So um, students, I'm glad that you're here too. This is just an amazing psalm uh, that if you can plant in your heart right now, um, it it really is going to change the course of your life, and that's what we're going to talk about. So um, something that you guys, uh, if you don't know this about me, um, I absolutely love the Olympics. I mean, like, no one is more patriotic than I am at Olympic time. I love the Olympics, but I'm going to clarify. Um, I actually love the summer Olympics, okay? It's no disrespect to the winter Olympics. They can't help that they're the inferior of the two. Um, they do the best that they can, but here's the reality. Um, I was uh, raised in Texas, and I was a gymnast a good chunk of my life, and so I don't even know the winter Olympics exist. It's only summer Olympics for me. And I love some of these moments that have happened in the Olympics that are really kind of implanted in my mind, um, at least the Olympics since I've been alive. Um, One of them, you know, being, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when a gymnast named Carrie Shrug, uh, she had two vaults left, and and what her vaults were going to be would determine what the U.S. Olympic team, if they won the all-around for the whole team. And on her first vault, she fell and she hurt her ankle. Um, At that time, they didn't know how severely it was hurt, but she was limping along, so she actually had to do her second vault on a broken ankle. Um, and that really, her just completing that second vault, like, solidified the gold for the U.S. team, right? And those are the type of moments where it's like, I don't care what political spectrum you're on, what your opinion is, like, all, everybody's an American in that moment, right? Like, cheering for the, like, four foot eight girl to get over the vault. Like, that's, we all are um, solidified in that. But there is one Olympic moment that absolutely is by far my favorite, and I want you guys to see it too. Look at look at LeClaw in the ready room, Rowdy. It's like he's going through a boxing routine, and Phelps is like, are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, I have never seen anything like that in the ready room. You play some games sometimes with these standing right All right, so that is my favorite. I mean, I know that there are like great like finishes and all that, kind of, but that is my favorite memory so far from the Olympics. Um, and this is something that we see a lot with athletes today, right? It's like they put on headphones and they give these like menacing looks, right? Um, and in and we, I actually, so much so, we see this all the time. Like, I don't know what athletes did before games or matches or races or whatever, before beats were invented. Because that seems to be the thing that athletes do. But it's not just athletes, right? Like, you'll see a girl riding in the metro on the way to work, like, earbuds in, right? You see people running earbuds in. I don't suggest that. That's not a very good idea, actually. But a lot of people do it. Um, and here's the thing. When I see that happening, I often wonder what are they listening to? Like, that's what I want to know, right? And most of the time, it's not what you expect, okay? So, like, Michael Phelps in that 
video, you would expect that he's listening to some sort of like really intense rap or scream music, maybe, but like, I bet he's listening to like Can't Stop the Feeling from like the Trolls movie soundtrack, right? Because everybody has different things that they use to kind of get them in the place of like the zone, right? Like getting in the zone. You've probably heard that phrase before, okay? Getting in the zone, all right? And I think the goal of this, the idea of getting in the zone is to achieve kind of this winning mindset. Well, I think there's probably two goals, actually. One is to achieve this winning mindset, but I think the other one is just this idea that I need a few minutes to push all of these distractions that surround me in my life out for a minute, and I need to focus on being successful at the thing that is right in front of me, okay? Here's a great example of what I'm talking about, about how people use music to do this a lot of times. So one day, I called um, my husband. Um, He was at work, and uh, he uh, is in his mid-30s. You're going to wonder why you need to know that, but trust me, it applies to the story. Um, So I call my husband, and um, he answers the phone, and as we're talking, I can hear that there's music playing in the background. And as I listen closely, I realize that the music that's playing in the background is the Spice Girls. <laughs> and I just said, as he's kind of explaining it, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I interrupt him mid-sentence, and I'm like, hey, is that the Spice Girls? And as a matter-of-factly as he could have stated it, he goes, yeah, I've got a lot to get done today. As if it's a well-known fact that if you have a lot to get done or if you have distractions around you and you need to push them out and focus on something, that you should listen to the Spice Girls. But again, the concept being, I need to focus on the thing that is right in front of me. And so I'm going to play it, whatever it is, and I'm going to replay it, and I'm going to replay it, and I'm going to replay it, and I'm going to play it as loud as I need to for as long as I need to to achieve this mindset of winning, this mindset of focus, this mindset of I've got to get this task done, and I need to be in the right mind to be able to do it, to be able to focus on it. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to go over a psalm that I believe can and should be the thing that's playing in our headphones, in our beats, whatever it may be, the thing that is going on as the soundtrack in our mind that pushes away distractions and forces us to focus on the most important thing in our life, which is our relationship with Christ. Okay, so if you brought your Bible, go ahead and turn um, to Psalm 23 today. Um, If you did it um, or you don't own a Bible, we have some on the table there for you. We would love for you to um, Get them and open them up. Uh, The book of Psalms tends to be right smack in the middle of your Bible. If you kind of just open it to the middle and you'll find uh, what you're looking for. Um, We also have pens and highlighters. um, And uh, so we would love for you to take notes, um, especially over this psalm. It's super dense. So feel free to utilize those. um, You know, parents, there's actually crayons and stuff in the um, box, in the baskets as well, since it's a... um, family Sunday, so feel free to use those. That's what they're there for. So Psalm 23 is often kind of referred to as like this nice, sweet, church Bible text um, that sometimes is, de- sometimes is depicted in like pictures like this. Yeah, picture? Yes, that one. Hey, there we go. We got it. 
It's pictured and depicted in pictures like this, okay? There's nothing, like, there's nothing wrong with this picture, right? It's just like this quaint little countryside scene of like sheep, you know, happily grazing in the meadow. Um, but here's the thing. This psalm is actually anything but that. Um, that's actually not the greatest depiction of what this psalm is. And so what my hope is, is that when we get to the end of today, Psalm 23 doesn't just stay this cute, sweet psalm that you often see like written across like baby announcements across the country. Um, that we realize that this psalm has to become the soundtrack of our lives um, because it's the truth that God uses to put us in that mindset where all other distractions are pushed away and all we are doing is focusing on him, the good shepherd, focusing on him as the shepherd that is leading and guiding our life. And, we, le- and, we, and we, we begin to learn that whenever we allow God to lead us, whenever we say we recognize that we are the sheep and that you are the shepherd, that the shepherd says, I want to become a leader. I want to become your shepherd in all circumstances, in all of your situations. And if you let me do that, this psalm is full of some extraordinary promises that God has for our life. And not just for a season of our life, but it literally says, and you'll see this in a minute, that it is for all of the days of our life until we join God in his house. And so let's read Psalm 23 together, and we're just going to remind ourselves of the promises of God in and over our lives today. And then I'm going to take the next few minutes, and we're actually going to zero in on one verse this morning. And I'm going to kind of break that down and try to give some practical application for that. So Psalm 23, um, you can read this uh, along uh, with me, follow along, and it's also going to be on the screen. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, so that's it. That's the whole psalm right there. Six verses. So what is the shepherd promising you? Okay, what are some quick promises that we can kind of pull out from this psalm, all right? And it's saying this, that if you recognize that in this analogy, you were the sheep, and that you need help, and that God is the shepherd, and that he is a good leader, he is a good shepherd, he's basically saying, here's what I'll do for you, and I'm going to break this down with a few key words, okay? But here's the very first key word, it's that he makes you, all right? He's making you, Okay, it says, I'll make you lie down in green pastures. Okay, now, that sounds awesome, right? Like, I mean, for me, it does anyway. I'm like, first of all, to just like, like to have the time to lay down in a nice green field, that sounds amazing. Um, But it sounds really great, and it sounds really comforting, right? Um, But here's the thing. Uh, David, who wrote this psalm, King David, he says that he makes you lie down in green pastures. Well, that sounds less comforting to me right? But the number one thing 
that we're saying right here is that me being a sheep and you being the shepherd is that sometimes God is going to make us do some things. Sometimes he's probably going to make us do some things that we don't want to do. But here's the thing that's so great about that. (laughs) Here's the thing that's so comforting about that. Is neither you or I are going to make the best decisions for our lives or for our soul every single time. We just aren't. And so if you walked in here today and you thought to yourself, like, nobody makes me do anything, or I always make the best decisions, well, here's the thing. You're probably not going to be a candidate for a very healthy soul because that's simply just not true. Nobody makes the best decisions all the time. And so what God's saying, his very first promise is he's saying, if you recognize that you're the sheep and that I'm the shepherd, yeah, I'm going to make you do some things. There's going to be some times I'm going to make you do some things. But here's the promise, is that I'm never going to make you do something that isn't healthy for your soul. All the things I ever encourage and make you do are going to be things that are healthy for your soul. And so sometimes he's going to make us do some things. All right, here's some other key words that we can recognize that if we're willing to let him be the shepherd and know that we're the one that's following him, it's that he's going to lead us. He's going to restore us. He's going to guide us. We'll stop right there. Think about that. Think about how comforting that sounds. You have somebody that's leading you, restoring you, and guiding you. Man, I mean, how... Amazing is that, to really think about that. And that's what God's offering you through this psalm. He's saying even through the difficult times, even through the difficult moments, he literally says, in the valley of the shadow of death, in the shadow of death that I am leading you, the good shepherd, through whatever trials you're going to. And why? And why is he doing this? And how do you know he's doing this? Because it says right there, because of your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the thing you have to know about the rod and the staff is that they're not disciplinary things, right? They represent strength and power against any enemy that's coming your way. The reason a shepherd had a rod and a staff was not so that he could beat his sheep. He had a rod and a staff to fight off any attackers or enemies that are coming toward the sheep. David's saying, if you recognize you're the sheep and that God's the shepherd, that's the same kind of promise of protection you're having over your life. All right? Then he goes on to say that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy, right? So you anoint my head with oil. That's another promise that we have, right? That he's anointing you. He's protecting you, he's anointing you, yeah, he's providing for you, right, all of that kind of stuff. All of those promises. So he prepares the table for you in the presence of your enemies. He anoint, anoint my head with oil. And the word comfort really is protection, right? You prepare a table, and it's really God providing for you, right? You anoint me, you bless me, you empower me. And so here's what he's doing. He's doing all of these things, all of this list of things. He's making you, he's leading you, he's restoring you, he's guiding you, he's protecting you, he's providing, he's anointing. Those are all the promises that we get from Psalm 23 by simply just saying, I recognize that I'm the sheep and you're the shepherd. But then there's one last thing One last promise that we get from Psalm 23. And the very last thing is that he follows us. He's following. Now, 
that mommy seem a little contradictory to everything that I've been just saying up until this point. You know, you're like, well, wait a minute. You've just been talking about how, like, we're sheep. He's shepherd. We're, we're supposed to be following him, that he's leading us. He's restoring us. He's guiding us. He's protecting us. Well, wait, how is it that he's also following us? Well, that's what it says right there in Psalm 23. It says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Do you know what the goodness and the love is in this verse? The goodness and the love is God's presence in our lives. It's not a something. It's a somebody. The goodness and love of God is not representing more stuff that God's going to bless us with. Promises do not equal stuff. Promises equal a person. God. And so we have this promise in front of us that guess what? He is leading us and that if we follow him, he will be leading us in the right direction. But also, he's also following us. His presence is coming behind us. So we can be confident in where we're walking. We can be also be confident in the fact that God has our back. He's in front of us and he's behind us. He's following us. And so here's what God's saying. He's saying, hey, if you're willing today that there's an offer on the table, there is an offer that the God Almighty can be your shepherd. But here's what I love about all of this, is that he does all of this. He makes all of these promises right in the midst of the fray and the distractions and the chaos. That's what verse 5 says, and that's the verse we're going to zero in on for the rest of this morning, for the rest of this message. Let's read it again together. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now listen, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but is there anybody sitting in this room today that you would say that you sense at any level a spiritual conflict? Or really any conflict, right? A relational conflict, a marital conflict, a business conflict, um, even an internal conflict within yourself. Like you against you kind of conflict. That there's some sort of tension in your life that there's something that you're struggling with in your life. And if you would say that that is true of you, I know I would say that that's true of me. If you would say that that's true of you, then there's this amazing promise to you. It's simply this, that God wants to be your shepherd. He wants to provide for you. And here's the amazing extra step of that promise. It's not just a want. It's not just a desire. It's that he is going to provide for your every single need in the midst of the conflict and the battle and the confusion. The gospel is not an escapist theology. And what I mean by that is simply this, is that God does not come and look down and see all of the chaos that's rolling around in your life, see you right in the middle and say, you know what, as your good shepherd, I'm just going to pluck you right out of this situation, and I'm going to put you right over here at this table over here, which is you and me in a land of perfection, isolated from your annoying neighbor, your shady business partner, your broken family. your conflict inside of you. That's not what God says. He says, no, 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 I am a serious shepherd. 
And because I am a serious shepherd and because I am serious about you and I'm serious about your life, I am going to prepare a table for you. The verse says before your enemies, meaning right smack in the middle of it all. Because I want you to know that, yeah, on your own, you can't weather this storm. But with me, you can. If you lock eyes with the shepherd, you can weather this storm. We can do this together. And so here's kind of what I, I want to do. I, it's, it's a message that I think is good um, spoken, uh, but I actually want to um, illustrate it, okay? So I'm going to come actually preach most of the rest of the message from this table right here, all right? Now you probably, when you walked in, maybe some of you stole some food off. That's, that's between you and the Lord, if you stole in the house of the Lord. Um, I'm not going to get involved in that, but... Um, uh, this is the amazing illustration of the table that God has prepared before your enemies. Now listen, I know that like you guys are not my enemies, right? So, but for the sake of this illustration, you are, okay? So just, we'll go with that, right? Um, but this is the promise that God is making to us all, is that he's saying, hey, listen, right smack in the middle of all of your enemies, I'm going to prepare a table, and there's going to be two seats at it. There's going to be a seat for you, and there's going to be a seat for me, the good shepherd. And here's what I want you to do, that in the midst of all of that chaos and that craziness and all of the distractions that are going on in your life, I want you to pull out a chair, sit down at the table, lock eyes with the good shepherd, and recognize that I love you so much, I invited you to not just any table, but a feast. I invited you to a table that is going to come fully equipped with everything you need to fight this battle and to fight this distraction. Everything, I mean, listen, we've got like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what, how you guys diet. Um, I've been counting macros lately, so we've got some carbs. Um, we got some dairy right here. Um, maybe your enemy is actually sitting on the table, which is this cheesecake. I don't know. Um, you might have to get, I don't know, you have to set that aside. Um, but, but he's saying, I've provided everything that you need to weather this storm. I am the good shepherd. Now, listen. Why is that important, right? Like, that's great. Like, oh, man, that's amazing. Thank you, Lord. But why is that important? Well, here's why it's important, because you and I, we are in a war. You might not even know that you're in a war, but you are, okay? You and I, we are in a war all the time, 24-7, right? We are, Paul, the Apostle Paul actually says, Listen, our battles and our struggles, they're not out of flesh and blood. He actually says they're with the powers, authorities that we can't see, that are not even a part of what we see right in front of us, that there's so much more going on to that. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, that means if, um, let's say you're, you know, uh, you had a, a, a marriage that has fallen apart. Guess what? That marriage did not just fall apart because of irreconcilable differences. It fell apart because there is an enemy, and his very mission is to destroy anything that the Lord desires to make beautiful. That is his very mission. 
And that enemy, God's word, identifies him as Satan. That's his name. And it goes on to describe him as a, like a lion that is just prowling around, waiting to devour somebody. That's the kind of enemies that we're facing. Now, a lot of times, one of Satan's best techniques that he uses is to distract us from the fact that he actually is one of the ones behind the chaos that we're going through. Now, that doesn't mean that you are not responsible for some poor decisions that you've made, okay? Does it not hear me say that? But even leading to those poor decisions, it was Satan walking around, prowling around, looking for a crack in your character, looking for a crack in a relationship, looking for you to make a mistake, waiting for the opportunity to pounce and devour. That is Satan's whole goal. But here's the thing, is that really, really Satan's main agenda and his main goal goal is to get to the Father, to get to the Good Shepherd. It's not even about you. You are just a byproduct of his plan. But he knows that if he can dent your life, if he can break your heart, then guess who else's heart he breaks? The father's. It breaks the father's heart to see your heart broken, to see your life dented, to see your life in chaos. That breaks his heart. If you don't believe me, and you're a parent in this room, you've experienced this. We say it all the time as parents. When we see our kid hurting or something happened to them, what do we say? We say, you know what, honestly, at the end of the day, it's hurting me more than it's hurting them. Most of the time, because kids are super resilient, right? But it hurts us. It breaks our heart as a parent to watch one of our kids hurt or struggle, regardless of why they're going through it. And it's the same way with the father, And so here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, in in, in the midst of all of the chaos that's going on in your life, in the midst of everything that's going around, I want you to take a minute and I want you to recognize that I am the one that is leading you. I'm restoring you. I'm anointing you. I'm blessing you. I'm protecting you. I'm following you. And he's pulling out a chair for you and he's saying, come sit down at the table. But so many times, we're like, no, thank you. Like, thank you for the offer, but no. I'm just going to push that chair in because I've got a lot I need to deal with. I need to go deal with this person. I need to go deal with this situation. I need to deal with the stuff that's happening and going on inside of me. And the whole time, God's saying, no, 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 just sit down for a minute. Take a beat. Sit down for a minute. Lock eyes with me because the thing that is going to push the enemy away from the table is not you actually physically fighting him. It's you locking eyes with the Savior and not being willing to be distracted by what the enemy is doing. Listen, here is a powerful truth and here is a powerful principle, one that has completely changed my life when I kind of got my hands around this a little bit, and it's this. Here's the powerful truth. It's that you have the power to choose who sits at your table. Think about that for a minute. You have the power to choose who sits at your table. You have the power to choose 
if you're going to accept the invitation and you are going to sit down at the table across from the shepherd. You also have the power to choose of who else is going to sit down at the table. And so here's the simple truth, is do not give the enemy a seat at the table. Do not give the enemy a seat at the table. You have the power to choose who sits at your table. Don't let the enemy have a seat at the table. All right? Now, listen, you, you've probably said yourself, like, I mean, I've never intentionally, like, been like, hey, let's invite, you know, like, yes, yeah, Satan, come sit at my table. I'm sure that's probably where, what you would think. You'd be like, I've never really, I've never had that conversation. Um, probably the majority of you in this room. So I'm going to explain to you a little bit how this works. Okay, Tara, will you come sit at the table? You can't sit in that chair. That's the good shepherd's chair, but you can come grab a chair and you can sit right here. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. All right. So here's a little bit of how it works, right? So you and your friend, you're, you know, you having a latte one day, which we've actually done together. (laughs) Our conversations haven't quite gone like this, though, or I hope they haven't. But you're having, you know, chatting up with your friend one day, and you're sitting there listening, and the whole time, you know, they're like, oh, man, like, um, my life's falling apart. Like, so-and-so is talking bad about me. I'm talking bad about so-and-so. Nobody likes me. Everything's falling apart. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying don't be empathetic. I just can't rehash the whole entire conversation this morning. Um, But blah, 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 blah. You're chatting back and forth. And the next thing you know... The conversation has turned to now both of you are super discouraged. You both are believing that everyone's against you. The world's falling apart around you. You're not good enough for anything. Nothing is actually ever going to get resolved. Here's the thing. In that moment, guess who was prowling around looking for a crack? The enemy. So all he does is he takes this chair and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to cozy on up right here while they're talking. I'm just going to take a seat right there while they're talking. And that's how it works. That's how it starts, right? I'm going to ask you to sit here just for a little bit longer. Do you want something to eat? <laughs> you want some, you want a cheesecake? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got invited to the table. We just talked about the shepherd invites you to the table. You come, he's going to provide something for you. You want some cheesecake? I don't have a serving thing, but I'm, I'll give you a napkin. Okay. Yeah? Okay, well, here you go. Here's some cheesecake for you. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you yep. very much. You're welcome. Um, all right, so that's how it works, right? Do you understand kind of how that works, all right? And then here's what happens. The enemy, he really uses two different lenses in which to get into our mind, okay? Two different lenses, and, and, and are two different strategies, I should say. But these two different strategies affect the two different lenses in which we see the world. And we're going to put them up on the screen for you, okay? So here's the two lenses. Is that they see the lens in which you view the world, okay? So everything that's happening around you and on the outside. And then the lens in which you view yourself, okay? And so I want to give you examples of how those two categories work. Um, And so for the sake of this example, Tara, um, I want you to know um, that uh, I am for you personally, me, Jenny Jones, but I'm going to play the voice of the enemy. So it's going to get a little nasty here in a minute, okay? But I am for you, right? Okay, 
So this is what happens, all right? Here's the very first thing that kind of the enemy does, the first strategy that he um, decides to take is he's just going to say this. He's going to say, you know what? Um, Listen, uh, you're actually not going to make it through this situation. This one's too bad. You messed up too much. It's gone way too far. And you're not going to make it through this. Um, In fact... You are going to work so hard at this um, that you're never, ever, ever actually going to be able to get you out of this ditch that you've dug yourself into, right? And even if something was done to you, you're going to live there forever. And so you might as well stop trying. Stop spinning your wheels. Stop putting your energy into it. It's not going to happen. You're never going to get out of whatever it is, whatever this thing is. All right. So listen, if you've ever heard that in your mind, in your narrative, in your internal dialogue, if you've ever heard this is never going to change, I'm never going to change. This is never going to happen. I'm never going to get out of this one situation. If you've ever heard that, let me tell you that is not your shepherd talking to you. That is the enemy talking to you. And here's how I know, it's not just my opinion, here's how I know that that's not your shepherd talking to you. Because what did the shepherd promise us in Psalm 23? He promised that he's going to lead us, he's going to guide us, he's going to restore us, he's going to protect us, he's going to anoint us, and that he's going to follow you, and surely what goodness will follow you all the days of your life. Now that doesn't mean that your life's going to be easy, it's all going to be rainbows and unicorns, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying that goodness will follow you all the days of your life, which is God's presence that in the midst of the chaos, he's still preparing a table for you. So, and here's the thing about lies. There's always an element of truth. Here's the element of truth. You're right. You, by yourself, are never going to get out of that situation. But you, following the good shepherd, are going to get out of that situation. And that is a fact. That is a promise. You have the power to decide who sits at your table. Don't let the enemy have a seat. All right? Here's the second kind of lens, kind of category um, in which, you know, uh, Satan oftentimes is going to be talking to you. And and here's just a moment of transparency. Um, The reason I know that this is how it sounds internally is because this is what happens in my mind. So I'm not just telling you things that I think will work or think it this is experiential for me and in psalm 23 has been instrumental in kind of uh praying through that and thinking through that so here's the second one um so so he's going to sit down at your table right he's going to look at you and he's going to say um you know what you were never good enough anyway so it's okay that that relationship dissolved you you were never good enough for it anyway it's okay that that, you know, you got let go from that job or that that interview didn't work out. Or um, it's okay that, um, that you weren't able to pursue that opportunity because at the end of the day, you were never good enough for it anyway. And so if you've ever heard that or you've ever heard some version of that, again, not your shepherd. That is not your shepherd speaking to you. That is the enemy speaking to you, and it's time for you to say, you know what, I get to choose who sits at my table. That God prepared a table for me before my enemies, and that he invited me to sit across from him. 
I'm going to accept that invitation and then I'm going to make a decision that the enemy doesn't get a seat at the table, that he is no longer welcome to have a seat at the table. That's not how this is going to go down. And so if you have ever heard before, you're not going to make it out of this or you were never good enough anyway, please know that is not your shepherd talking to you. That is the enemy talking to you. And that if you continue to have that conversation with the enemy, simply and dramatically, you are having a conversation with a killer. And here's why. I want us to read John 10.10 together. Jesus says this in John 10.10. He says, the thief, the thief is the enemy, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. And so many times we stop there at verse 10, all right? But listen to what verse 11 says. And I don't think it's an accident that in verse 11, this comes right after what Jesus, how Jesus describes the thief. This is what verse 11 through 13 says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The enemy is the hired hand in this analogy. The enemy, listen, he he did not come to redeem your life. He did not, he does not care for you. He did not give his life for you. He is the hired hand. And here's what's so crazy about the whole situation. When you're able to zoom out a little bit and look into it, it's this. It's the fact that the enemy is the one that's coming beside you in situations saying, oh, you know what? Like, that's a good idea. That's going to be fun. You should do that. That's a really, well, that person never liked you anyway, so forget them. You know what? You should probably talk bad about them before they talk bad about you. You were done wrong. You should, everybody needs to know about that. God gave you social media. You should blast it on social media how wrong this person did you. And so then you do, and then guess who flees the moment the situation gets hot? The hired hand. And not only does he flee, he then looks at you and says, man, that was so stupid and dumb. You're dumb. Why'd you do that in the first place? He does not care about you. (laughs) He is a hired hand. That's why we have to make the decision who sits at our table and that it cannot be him and that when things get crazy, when things are tough, when situations are tough, we have to make the decision to stop, to listen to the voice of the shepherd, lock eyes with him, and push away the distractions. Psalm 23, the voice of the shepherd has to become the thing that's playing in the soundtrack of our mind. Our Spice Girls, if you will. That's what Psalm 23 is, and that's what God is promising that that is going to be. And listen, when you deny the invitation to the table, just think about how frustrating that is for a minute, okay? I myself do not have the gift of hospitality. I did not set up this table. If I would have set up this table, it would have looked very different. So I called somebody in our church that has an amazing gift of hospitality, and I said, I want to do this illustration on Sunday. Can you set up the table? And she was like, yeah, sure. Happy to do it. But I have enough 
to think to myself, and maybe even more so because I don't have the gift of hospitality, if I spent all day cooking and I invited you over to my house for dinner and you came over to my house and you walk through the front door and you walk up to the table and I'm like, go ahead, have a seat. And you're like, you know what? I've never really felt like you guys really liked me anyway. Um, I don't feel good enough to sit at this table. I mean, you guys, if you only knew what was in my story, if you only knew what um, was going on in my life, like you wouldn't want me to sit at this table. So you know what you guys eat? It looks great. But I'm just going to stand over here. I'm like, oh, heck no, you're sitting at my table. Like, I cooked all day. Like, you're sitting down at the table. And here's the thing. If I didn't think you were worthy enough, if I didn't like you, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't have invited you to the table in the first place. And that's exactly what God is saying to us. He's saying, listen to your mindset for a minute. If I extended you an invitation to sit at the table, it's just because I love you. I gave my son for you to be worthy to sit at this table. Sit down. But don't forget you have the power to choose who sits at the table. He prepares a table for us in the middle of our enemies. We cannot forget that. And we cannot forget that he is the good shepherd and that the enemy is simply a hired hand and he will leave as soon as it gets crazy. You cannot depend on him. That's why he doesn't get a seat at the table. He has already been defeated. That's why he doesn't get a seat at the table. All right, Tara, thank you. You can go back and sit. Um, You guys give her a round of applause. (laughs) Secretly, when you sat there, Tara, this morning, I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, here's the thing that I want to end with this morning. Um, and this is the amazing point of this, uh, amazing part of this, that I think it would be so easy for us to um, skip over. And the reason we would skip over it is because um, we're very, like, me-centered, right? It's just part, it's part of our nature. Like, you don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish. They just know how to do it, right? Like, it, I mean, they, it, w- same with us, right? Nobody would teach us how to be selfish. We just know how to do it. It becomes natural. We're very me-centered people. So we could very easily leave this message this morning and basically think that the entire point of this message was just that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's going to throat punch our enemies whenever we need him to. In the midst of all of that, he's going to provide for us while we're doing that. Yay, isn't that awesome? That's amazing. And listen, that stuff is true. I'm not saying that it's not. But here's the thing that we could miss that is so amazing is that the reason that the good shepherd sets up and prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies, surrounded by your enemies, is so that he can show your enemies how he's providing for you in the midst of them trying to destroy what's happening in your life. So it is a throat punch to your enemies, but not the one you're thinking. It's the way in which God is saying, I am the one that is in control. This situation, you will make it through it. You will always worthy enough. This is not going to devour you. This is not going to end you. But you have to sit down at the table and you have to lock eyes with the shepherd and you have to trust me. 
that if you follow me, if you recognize that you're the sheep and I'm the shepherd, I am going to protect you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to follow you. Make sure you're taken care of. And the other thing that it does is that it shows a very watching world that there is a shepherd, that he does provide, and that they need him too. That's why God prepares a table. He does it, yes, just because he loves you. Literally, that's it, just because he loves you. Because he does it even when you're in this, the situation you're in because of dumb decisions that you've made. He still prepares the table. He does it just because he loves you, but he also does it to make a point to your enemies, to make a point to the enemy, that he is still the one that has won and is in control and is victorious. And he does it to say to a watching world, I am the good shepherd, and the invitation of the table is extended to you too. Watch what I'm about to do in their life. Psalm 23, it is so comforting. But it's not comforting because Jesus is saying, I'm just going to pluck you out of a situation and put you in this nice meadow. It's comforting because he's saying, no, no, no. In the middle of the situation, I'm going to provide for you. So cling to that peace of mind that trust. So what I want to do to end today is I just want to read Psalm uh, 23 uh, together. I actually want us to read it out loud together. Um, So it's going to be on the screen behind me. Um, You can also uh, follow along in your Bibles. But I want us to read it out loud together. And I wanted to read it just through the lens of the fact that the Good Shepherd is providing for you in the middle and the midst of the chaos. All right. I've got to get it on my sheets because I can't see that far away, which is really, ah, here we go. Okay. All right, let's read it together. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.